Welcome to the New Beginning Fellowship Church Sermon Podcast. We are glad you are listening to the teaching of the Word of the Lord. We pray that this message encourages you and builds your faith. We also pray that this message is only supplemental to your spiritual growth instead of being a replacement for daily personal Bible study, the pastor you should be submitted to, or the church God would have you to be an active member of. If you live within driving distance of Brobridge, Louisiana, we hope that you would come to visit us during one of our services on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. Service times, ministry information, and giving options are all located on our website at newbeginningfc.com or on our Facebook page at New Beginning Fellowship Church. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make His face to shine upon you. 1 Samuel, at the 30th chapter, in just one verse at this moment, and I pray that this encourages you. I pray it really does. The best examples that we can see of our Christian walk, if we look at those that have already walked it before us. And I love the character of David. It shows the good, the bad, and the ugly in his life. And that's how truthful the Word of God is. The Word of God is transparent. It shows us exactly the things in people's lives as it should. And I'm so thankful for that tonight. Father, we ask for the anointing of your spirit to have your way, God. Oh, Lord, do we need you, Lord, in this hour, Lord. We look to you, Lord. We're thankful for the revelation that you give us through the Holy Word to know you, Lord. To get to know you and ultimately to have a relationship with you. Help us, Lord, as we go into the passages of your scripture. To see what you're trying to show us. I don't know who this message is for tonight, Lord. But I know my own life, just recently I experienced this. And Lord, you are faithful. You are faithful, God. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, the church says amen. I weep because a couple of months back, the thing, the trial that me and my wife went through personally, <laughs> you know, you truly find out how faithful God is when you're in a situation that all you can do is just look to him your circumstance. My wife was near to death, to tell you the truth. I wish I would have brought the paperwork tonight. I, it's, it's a medical term. It said acute, and then the word, you know how the medical terms are. You can't remember them or sometimes even pronounce them. And I remember the night as Joanna was in the hospital, this was like 3 in the morning. The Lord woke me up, and I prayed for some time. I went to the kitchen. We had this little bitty mini portable, what do you want to call island in there. I had my little ESV Bible, a little small one. Little compact. I opened it up. The Holy Spirit didn't tell me to go there, but I just knew that I needed to come to this passage. And I remember reading it that night, knowing, praying for my wife and the whole situation. And the words came alive to me that night. Because I needed a word from God. 
when he showed me this in this chapter, it encouraged me as David was encouraged in the Lord himself. And there will be times in our life that you will feel all alone and you will go through a trial by yourself. Even when you're married, you have a big family, your co-workers, even your family, your, your family in church. There will be times that you will walk alone and the Lord's going to do a work in your heart. He's going to do that what needs to be done. Amen. That's why it's so important that we try to disciple. We try to bring the gospel out with the gospel truths. Because it's going to count when you need it the most. When all hell is breaking loose and you're in the fire. All you can truly do is just call upon the name of the Lord and trust him. Amen. Now the old me would have did other things in other ways prior to my salvation. I would have went and got drunk. Or I would have went and got high. Because I didn't know how to deal with the situation. But now being in the Lord, it's different. No matter how the circumstances is or what, we can run to him, not away from him, but to him, to our high tower. In time of need, in time of trouble, we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Hallelujah. Amen. Verse 6. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6 says this. And David was greatly distressed, distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David strengthened or encouraged himself in the Lord his God. In the Lord, his God, did David encourage himself. So I'm going to do it this way tonight. You know how they make the movies and they show at the end, at the beginning, and you kind of just look at it, and then they stop there, and then they, 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 they retract, and they go back to the beginning. Well, that's what I'm going to try to do tonight. So we can come back to this passage right here, this scripture of what it says. And so some of us know the history of Israel knowing that there came a time when the prophet Samuel was there and the people of the nation of Israel were asking that they wanted a king like the other nations. And so the prophet brought it before the Lord and said that they want a a king like the other nations. And he said, oh, so they have rejected me as king and they want just a human king like the other nations. He goes, go ahead and give them the desires of their heart to see how it is. Even though in the background we know that God already had everything planned, we know that David was supposed to be the king of the will of God. And so they get King Saul, and we see some of the fruit of Saul's life. Saul was a man of great stature. When you looked at him, you would say, this is a king. This is what a king should look like. You know, the look, the everything. But what did the Lord tell the prophet when he went to anoint David that he does not see as man does but he sees what's in the heart and so what I want to deal with tonight in relation to David is what he went through to get to this point and where he was going we all have promises from God in our salvation 
what he wants to do through our lives. And there's times that we are obedient. There's times that we're not. And I really want to deal with the issue of the flesh and the spirit in this. Because we know that Saul is a type of the flesh. And David is a type of the spirit. So King Saul, he becomes a king. He's anointed. And right away he starts making some very unwise decisions. Because he feared the people more than he feared God. And so around that time, as he kept disobeying the Lord, the Lord finally told Samuel to tell him that he is rejecting him and he's going to replace him with another. Amen? So Jesse goes, the prophet Samuel goes to Jesse's house and asks for his sons and only so many of them are there and there's still one missing. And afterwards, he asks him, is there any, any more sons? He goes, yeah, Jesse, you know, the one... He's way out there in the back, you know, tending sheep and all that. And, you know, whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll bring him. I'll wait for him. So this is the one that the Spirit told Samuel to anoint to be the next king of Israel. And see, that's, that's just the way it is for us. We come into salvation in Jesus Christ. And we see the promises that he has for our lives. And there's great promises that he wants to do for us. He wants to give us that abundant life. He wants to do good things in our life. But then the process starts. So what does David do? David's excited. He's young. He's been called. He's been anointed to become the next king of Israel. And so he gets to work. The Bible said that as this was happening, that King Saul started being tormented by evil spirits. So his uh, men told him, we're going to advise you to find someone that's well-learned in music that could calm your, your spirit and bring peace. And lo and behold, it was David that was brought to minister unto the king. And the king loved David. And we see later on at the point of the battle with Goliath that it was the Lord that used David to go under to bring defeat. And it was a great victory. So what do you think is going on in David's mind? Here I am. I'm ministering to the king. I'm singing in his court. And now this giant has been slayed. And God is calling me to the throne. And I know that I'm ready for this. But it's like that for us too. We think that sometimes that we're really ready for what God wants us to do or the next level that he's taking us. Amen. There's the promise and then the progress and then Ultimately, the promotion that that he's promoting, you know. And so David is very encouraged. Things are going good. And then just something happened. Like the New Testament talks about the flesh and the spirit, right? They're contrary to one another. They wrestle with one another, right? We wrestle within ourselves. It gets to a point. When Saul hears a song that he has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands, the jealousy was embedded in his heart because he was led by the flesh. And so what does David do? David is trying with all his heart to be loyal underneath this king, to do everything that's called accordingly as the king asks of him, commands of him. And Saul continues being driven by the flesh of the spirit, So finally he gets to the point that he wants to kill David. And so David's going, wait, 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 whoa, 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 what's going on here? You know, 
I was with the king, his right-hand man. I married his daughter. Things are going well. Now what is going on, Lord? And so there came a night that Saul had a, King Saul had a spear in his hand and tried to, you know, nail him to the wall, and he took off. It was time for him to run and go. And David is confused. He's saying probably in his heart, Lord, I'm doing everything. I'm obeying your king, the anointed one. I'm doing everything you're calling me to do. Why is this coming upon me? Have you ever asked that question before in your own life? Things do just do not make sense. You're obeying the Lord, but yet things are just falling apart. And so David starts seeing that this is going to get real serious. He makes a covenant with his son, King Saul's son, Jonathan. They become best friends. And Jonathan is like his intel guy. He'll go back to the king's table, come back and tell him what's exactly going on. He finally told him, you know what? Don't come back. They want you dead. And so this is the process that David's at now. He's at a point that he's being pursued. And we're going to see something about him as he's being broken down to be built up again. Amen. So what starts happening with David at this moment? He starts getting desperate. He's running from one region to another. He's hiding in caves, in the open field, in the forest. And Saul is heavy on him in pursuit. He's getting to a point where now the fear factor is coming in. Within himself, he's saying, I have to survive. He starts getting his eyes upon the promises that God has given him and starts looking to himself to survive. Amen? Yes, yes. And it's easy for us to say that because we weren't in his shoes. But let's examine it a little bit more. And what's going to drive a man with fear instead of faith? To make unwise decisions just to survive. And so the king keeps on pursuing him and literally trying to kill him. David's walking in fear now. He's confused. He don't know what to do. All he wants to do is survive. He doesn't know if he's going to make it the next day, next week, or even the next hour. He just knows that his life is on the line. And so let's see if some of the, the crazy things that he did. And, and if anyone said that was crazy, we've all done it. We've all walked in the flesh. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all failed him and thank God for his grace. He goes to the king of the Philistines and act like he's a madman, foaming in his mouth, and the king said, get, get this guy out of here, man. He's crazy. I got enough crazies in my army. I don't need another one. And so he leaves. So what happens to David after that? He ends up in the cave of Adullam. Remember that? That cave. And something starts happening there. His parents come. Soldiers start coming to him. He ended up coming about 400 strong at that time. And the prophet said, you must leave and go back. So he leaves from the cave, leading a small army. And what God is doing is preparing them for the throne. And as we look, he's still in fear. So what he does, he takes his parents to the country of Moab and drops them off there. It says, you know, just take care of my parents until I figure things out and I'll come back for them. And so we're seeing what he's doing. He's acting out of fear. He's trying to survive, and that's where he's at. Have you ever been there? Hmm? 
fear. But it gets deeper than that. He gets to a point, and believe it or not, he probably, like, after all this happened, how did I end up in this place that I am? Well, every time he kept making that unwise decision, he just dug himself a deeper hole, a deeper hole. And it'll be good at the end, but there's consequences behind that. And so David is battling with this, and then he's on the run, and he runs into, he goes to the priest and asks for some bread. And they gave him some of the holy bread. And he just told the priest that he was on the king's mission. And he left it at that. He didn't want him to be involved with what was going on. Well, later on, because of that happening, Saul had them priests killed. And that's how crazy he was getting in his mind, demonically possessed and fleshly, that he had the Edomite, I forgot his name, Doeg, to kill him. I think it was 45 to 50 priests that were killed. And so one priest gets away and is able to find David and tell him the news. And David's heart is broken. You see, you have to understand, he's walking in fear. The priest, he feels like it's his blood, like it's on him because what's happened to him. So David finally comes to the realization in himself. This is his own decision. He wasn't inquiring of the Lord. I must go to the land of the Philistines so King Saul will not pursue me anymore. Have you ever been there? And it's true. That's exactly what happened. He goes there. He talks at Achish. He asks if he could stay in the city of Gath and he's able to. And Saul never pursued him after that as far as that point. Then after a while, David asked Achish if he could have his own town for him and his people because it's him, his men, his wife, the children, and everything, that they, uh, their belongings on their back. And he said, yes, I'm going to give you the town of Ziglag. <laughs> Does anyone know what the meaning of Ziglag means? It's winding. You know, like when you get a wire and you just wind it and you just swirl. It's perfect for what the circumstances that David is going through because that's what he's doing. He's just spinning and spinning and getting nowhere and just tangling him home, himself up in his situation. And so it gets a little bit even worse because Achish in his heart, this Philistine, he's, a, he's the son of one of the five warlords of the kings, said in his heart, if I, you know, if I take care of David, I see that he has a problem with this master, the king of Saul. If we can get him on our side, then we can use him to destroy his own people. That's what the enemy would like to do. Exactly. He had his own agenda. He wasn't helping David for just no reason. There's always an agenda. When we work and operate in the flesh, that's how fleshly people operate. And so David goes to the next level. He went from that, from fearing and then making all these uh, unwise decisions to a point. Now he's going to be lying to Achish of what he's doing. He asked him, where'd you go today to raid? Did you, you know, he said, well, I went into towards my brethren in certain villages of the Jews and did that. He was lying. He was actually going to the Amalekites, another tribal people that were against Israel, and plundering all them and killing all the people off. So they couldn't give word back to the Philistines what he was doing. You see, Ziglag was in a, in a spot where it was in the border between the Philistines and Judah, the southern part of Israel. And so he was able to go back and forth and do his thing. 
I'm talking about a work of the flesh that he was doing. Each step that David was taking, he was just entrapping himself because he stopped trusting God. And we do that sometimes. And one thing led after another what he was doing until finally it's going to cost him big time. But thank God for God's grace. We can make a mess out of things in our life. We can try to take over and control it the way we see fit and not even to inquire of the Lord or be led by the Spirit, but just an impulse saying, I can handle this and I can control this when we really can't. So he continues to lie and deceive Achish of what he's doing and going on and plundering these other places. Hmm. So finally he dug himself in a hole so deep there was no way he was going to get himself out of this. Now many Bible scholars have different, you know, they think this is what they thought David was thinking or that and this. But it came to a point where the Philistines were, where they were, they were assembling an army because they were getting ready to do battle with the Israelites. And David's in the land of the Philistines. And what does Achish say? You know that you're going to fight against your brethren tomorrow, right? Are we hearing what I'm saying right now? The one that has been promised to become the king of Israel is on the enemy's side and getting ready to fight against his brethren. And he kind of says, okay, but if you really read the scriptures, what he was saying, he didn't really say. He just agreed with it. Do you really believe that David would have went against his own brethren in that fight? Do we really believe that he would have did that? If it came down to it, would he would have shed the blood of his brethren? I personally believe that he would not. And obviously the warlords believe that too. Because Achish brought him to start assembling the army to go against Israel later on. And David and his men were going to stay in the back of the ranks to take care of Achish. But when the Lord, warlords seen David and all them, they said, what is he doing here? Isn't this the same one that they sang that, that Saul has killed his thousand and David has killed his ten thousand? He goes, you need to send him home. You know what's going to happen? If he comes in there with us, he's going to turn on us and turn the tide of the war. Even the warlords had more sense about David. They knew the calling in his life. But Achish trusted him. There was something there between him and, and David. Think about what I'm telling you. The hand of God at this moment had to move in and stop this mess. And I believe it was God that stopped it. Because it was his plan for David to get on the throne. And this was going to destroy it. Even if David would have been seen with the Philistines in that army. And if the children of Israel would have seen him in that, that would have been it. And our day would be over. His political career would be over. God knew exactly what he needed to do for David at the right moment. And so David's got him and his band got three days to think about this as they're being sent back to Ziklag. And as they start getting home, they see the smoke from a distance. 
They don't look like no barbecue fire. As a matter of fact, it looks a little bigger than what I'm thinking. My Lord, what is going on? What is happening? And as they get closer to it, they start seeing what's really going on. Till they finally get there. And David and his men seen that their wives and their children and all their possession is gone. But the place itself has been burnt down to the ground. Even the rocks that they used to make their walls out were charred black. Amen. All the decisions that he made, everything that he did led up to this point now that David has lost everything because of his own choices like we do sometimes. And him and his men, they wept so much. They cried so much that they had no more strength. I call this message the blessing at Ziglag. Specifically for this. Because the Bible said that David was out of the will of God for for 14 months. No, 16 months. A year and four months he was out of the will of God. Just wandering around within the Philistines. But the day came when God's grace finally showed up. And showed David, you made a mess out of everything. You went your own way. And look what it has produced. A work of the flesh. So they weep bitterly and they are crying and they think they have lost it all. And then they got to the point of of crying and weeping to it's time to blame someone. There's bitterness in the camp. We blame you, David. The Bible says they were planning to stone him at that moment. Can you imagine that? The emotions are high. Seems like everything is lost. What else was a person going to do? Either go crazy or or turn unto the Lord. But that's exactly what David did. The Bible said he turned unto the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. Now we see a turning point, right? This is the turning point. Where God's finally got, he's permitted David to do what he wants and wants to a point where David has dug himself in the hole that he has no choice but to look out and repent. I believe he did. I believe he did it when they were lamenting and crying. And then finally came to his senses and said, hey, I can go back to my God. The strength that the Lord gave him at that moment was Supernatural. Because David knew that there was no other way. If it was going to turn around his life, it was now or never. And what happened? He calls for the priest. And he inquires of the Lord, right? He asked the Lord. Shall I pursue and overtake? The Spirit of the living God said, you shall pursue, you shall overtake, and you shall recover all. When David looked at the priest, the priest is the type of Jesus Christ, the high priest. And the word of the Lord that came from there was from the Spirit of God. David turned to the Lord 
And the Lord strengthened him. Strengthened him. Gave him the word to go ahead and to give him the green light to go after their wives, their children, their possessions, and everything. Now we are seeing something different. He was doing a work of the flesh prior to that, but now that he's come back to the Lord, this is a work of the Spirit. And I'll, I'll tell you why I believe. Remember, it took them three days to get back to their camp. They barely get there. They weep for a while, but they have no strength. And then all of a sudden, when David gets in courage or strength into the Lord, he's ready to go. He's got 600 men with him, and they start taking off. And this is the Spirit led right here. The Holy Spirit was deeply giving him strength to continue. And we know the story that 200 stayed behind at the river, and the other 400 went with him. And as they're going, this is God. This is God. When it's God's way, when we inquire of him, he's going to show it how to get it done. They find the Egyptian slave in the field, and they bring him. They feed him. They give him water until he gets revived, and they ask you, who are you? He goes, I'm an Egyptian slave, and my master is a Malachite. And he left me here three days ago. He said, we plundered this village and that village, and we also burned down Ziglag. And that's when David snapped. And he asked him, can you take me where your master's at? He goes, will you swear to me by your God that you will not kill me or hand me over to my former master? He goes, no problem. We'll take care of you. Oh, hallelujah. David is encouraged. They go. They keep going. They keep going. It's just like the enemy. When you read the scripture, when you read what they were doing, they were partying it up. They not only uh, sacked uh, Ziglag, but there was other villages. So they had all this plunder upon them and spoil. And David and them arrive. And the battle begins. And after a day, they're able to recover exactly what was spoken to them by the Lord. That you shall recover all. They were able to get back their women and their children. They were able to get back their animals and all that they took from them. And then some on top. It's called David's spoil. The other stuff that was not there has become theirs now. And God gave them everything back. It was time for David to start going to where he needed to go. That his destination was to get to the throne. And at the same time, all these things are going on. Saul is over there with the army. David's nowhere to be found near to be accused of anything. And we know the tragic ending of that. The Saul and sons were, were killed during battle. And so all this time, everything that David went through, now he's starting to see the picture. He's starting to see that all that he went through, even his own mistakes and everything, was for a purpose, that God was still in control. That God was going to see him through, and he did. Amen. That when he went through, what God was doing was taking those things out of his life and preparing him and breaking them down, then building them up and preparing him to become the king over all of Israel. So David takes of that, gives to his men. They get back to the 200 other that were waiting by the river that were exhausted. 
these men were saying, we're not going to give them anything because they didn't go to the battle. David said, no, that's not how we're going to do that. Everybody gets blessed. Whether they were at the battle or whether they were protecting the baggage, everyone gets blessed. Because you know why? Because it was the Lord that gave us the victory. Do not forget that. We weren't going to get nothing. We were at zigzag. Everything was burnt to the crisp. Worse than my barbecue. I don't know. But anyways, I'm sorry. But uh, now look what the Lord has done. They were able to recover all. Amen. After this point, the Bible says that the spoils that David had, he went and started giving that to some of the, the leaders in the tribe of Judah, that southern border next to the Philistines, was able to bless them with some of the rewards Now God was going to be able to bless that because he was doing it his way now. And they received it. They received it. Even through all that, those that knew David knew that his heart was for the nation of Israel. Even all the mistakes that he went through. But by him providing them spoils, it was just showing a type of Christ. What he gives us and what we've been through. He's given it all for us. Amen. We've seen the story tonight. I've given you an example of what it is to walk in the flesh and do our own thing. And then to come to a point where the Lord's got to get a hold of it, And then repent of that and do it his way. We need the Lord desperately. Oh, I'm so thankful that he's merciful. When I read David and what he's done, I'm so thankful I see that. Because I know there will be times. Kind of go to the left a little. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. From this point, we know what happens. At this point, David is pretty much going to be on the throne, and they take him to Hebron. And that's one of the places that he went and dropped off the spoils from after winning all that with the Amalekites. He's anointed king. For just one tribe at this moment, later on, read four chapters later in Second Samuel, they anoint him king over all of Israel. Can you imagine the place that he was at? That place in Ziglag, when everything seemed lost, everything, and then to be on the throne. It's the same thing for us. There's coming a day that all we've been through and everything that goes on that we're going to share in the spoils what the Lord has given us. He said that we will be a kings and priests. Hallelujah. What have you lost lately? That the enemy has stolen. Maybe your story is different. Maybe you weren't disobedient. It just God permitted the enemy to come and to rob you of some things. What is it that the enemy has stolen from you that God could not recover back for you? Is it a child? Is it your finances or your health? I don't know. Only you know. We just read the scriptures, what God has promised. Maybe it's just for one person here. I don't know. Maybe for no one. I'm not sure. Maybe someone over Facebook Live. 
All I can do is present this message and show that God will recover for us. He will. Example. Hallelujah. Example. My wife. Example. My wife. That night when I read this chapter, I was so encouraged because I knew that God promised me this. I knew that there was going to be the, ch- uh, the change of the, of the tide of the battle from that night forward. And several days later, it started unfolding. And she started breathing better to a point where they started lowering down the oxygen for her to breathe on the machine. And I'm here to tell you, when God promises you something, when he says you're going to recover it, you're going to recover because he said it. And I just want to encourage you tonight, if there's someone someone here, and this is dealing with your heart, then you make business with God about that. You say, Lord, I believe this word tonight. I believe that what's been stolen from me, whether the circumstances of people or the enemy or whatever, I believe that you're going to let me recover it all because you promised me that. Amen. I'm Brother Renee. Yeah, I'm sorry. I believe I delivered what the Lord told me to give. It's short and sweet. But all I can do is testify and know that what God promised me came to pass. Oh, hallelujah. Well, we're at a place like we lost it all. I could tell you the story, me personally. This story relates to me. This past summer, there was things that the Lord had to do in my own heart. And it came down to a circumstance where he got me by myself. And I had no choice but to cry out to him for him to, deliver, to deal with my heart with certain things. And you know what? No matter what, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Because God always has the best for us. What he permits and what he does through us is for a purpose. And I can cry here tonight and say, God is faithful. God is good. And God is in control. (laughs) When it looks like it's all lost. When the enemy's messing with your mind, three in the morning, I'm going to kill your wife. I said, but God. I said, you lying devil. I don't receive that. God has promised me that. He's promised me the victory. Hallelujah. He's good. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You're faithful. give this moment for the altar call if you want to just sit there or if you want to come to the front that is between you and God but please if he's dealt with your heart tonight take this word grab it with all your life and your hands and put it in your heart and don't let the enemy or your circumstances rob it from you but take a promise even if the situation looks dire if it's for you amen receive it receive it and you'll see what God's going to do 
You'll see he's done it before in the past and he'll do it again. Amen. I said all those things about David because we are truly all like David. Amen. One minute our faith is way up here and then it's down and then it wavers. And you know, thank God that God shows us the good, the bad, and the ugly in this holy word to show us what we truly are outside of him. I thank God for his grace. I love you all. I'll leave it at this moment there. This offering that I bring, humbly I fall on.